Uh, I want to know what love is. This is the title of our lesson this morning. We're going to base that on 1 John chapter 2 and verses 7 through 10. I'll go ahead and pull up this introduction slide there. John writes of light, he writes of love, and he writes of life, as we talked about in our class this morning. But John, as we mentioned a couple of weeks ago, as he writes on these subjects, he wants us, he wanted his readers, he wants us as Christians to go deeper and to understand those topics, those subjects as he writes about them. And today, we're going to talk about love, and John wants us to know what love is. I'm going to give you an illustration so we can kind of make the application. I was talking with a preacher that I know, and this is, it's not here, so in case you're visiting, I'm not talking about here. <laughs> this is someplace else. And he said uh, the congregation decided that they needed to paint the classrooms. It had been several years, and they decided they needed to paint the classrooms. So they got together, and they had a meeting, and after three or four hours, <laughs> they left. <laughs> and the classrooms are still unpainted. <laughs> Why couldn't they reach a decision over some so easy and sometimes we look at those things and we kind of chuckle but sometimes it's very real also and so John wanted those in the first century and he wants us to know what love is first John I'll go ahead and put up that first slide uh, and those three points we're going to take a look at the need for love what is love and what does it look like and so our first point this morning, the need for love. First John chapter 2 and verses 7 and 8, John writes, Brethren, I write no new commandment to you, but an old commandment which you have had from the beginning. The old commandment is the word which you heard from the beginning. Again, a new commandment I write to you, which thing is true in him and in you, because the darkness is passing away and the true light is already shining. In verse 7, John says, I'm not writing a new commandment to you. And then in verse 8, on the other hand, I'm writing a new commandment to you. So as John writes those words, we kind of think to ourselves, well, which is it? Are you writing a new commandment or are you not writing a new commandment? But I want you to notice in 1 John chapter 3 at about verse 11, John helps to clarify this. And he says, for this is the message that you had from the beginning that we should love one another. So John, in chapter 2, is saying, I'm writing a new commandment. But actually, I'm writing an old commandment. And he's saying, what I mean is from the very beginning, it was understood that we are supposed to love one another. So as he writes now, it's a reminder and I want you to understand this love that I'm talking about and how you might make application of it. John also writes the Gospel of John as we have talked about. John was there and he was in that upper room that night that the apostles were with Jesus. And he got down and he washed their feet. 
And on that same occasion, Jesus said in John the 13th chapter, about verse 34, a new commandment I give to you that you should love one another as I have loved you. That's the new part. They knew they should love, but Jesus said, I want you to love like I love you. John saying, he wants us to know what love is so that we love deeper and we live deeper. Because in John 13 and verse 35, Jesus is going to say and go on to say, by this, all men will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. So what's Jesus saying? What's John saying? I want you to know what love is. I want you to understand it's the kind of love that Jesus showed. And if you can show that kind of love to one another, then the world is going to recognize you as my disciples. But it's based upon understanding what love is and then showing that kind of love, that kind of love to one another. I want to remind you of something as we take a look at this. We kind of touched on this this morning in class also because John writes and he writes about life and he writes about love and he writes about life. But most commentators will tell you, most scholars will tell you that as you take a look at the writing style of John, John does not write in a linear fashion. So when John, let me explain this, so when John writes about light and he writes about love and he writes about life, he doesn't say, okay, let me tell you everything that I have to say to you about light. And then once I'm done with that, I want to talk to you about love. And once I'm done with that, and then I'm going to talk to you about life. Because that would be writing kind of a linear type of fashion. But everyone readily agrees that John writes in a circular type of fashion. So what he does is he will mention a topic, a subject, light or love. And then he'll move on. And then he'll come back to it and he'll mention it again. And then he'll move on and then he'll come back and he'll mention it again. And what he will do is he will show how these things are related to one another and how they tie together. So John will talk about light. Oh, let me tell you about love. Then let me tell you about how love relates to light. And then let me tell you about how light and love relate to life. <laughs> Let's tie this all together. So ladies, I'm going to give you a little shout out this morning. Okay? We all remember, or maybe not all, but a lot of people remember back several years ago, there was a book that was kind of well-known for a while and on the bestseller list for a while. Men are from Mars and women are from Venus, right? <laughs> and one of the things that it talked about is how men and women think differently, they process differently. And one of the things they said about in regards to men they said men's thinking is kind of cubbyhole type of thinking. 
And whenever I think about that, I think about back in the old days when you go to the post office and they had all these big up there on the wall, they'd have all these little cubicles and they would take mail and they would stick it in this cubby hole and then stick it in this one. They said, that's the way men think. So if men think about light, it's like, okay, I take light and I put it in this cubicle. And then if you want to talk about love, then we put it in this cubicle and this one doesn't touch this one. <laughs> and then we talk about, and so it's like they're all divided up. But they said, women, now this is different. They said their processing is like spaghetti. <laughs> it's all there on that plate together and it's all intertwined. So here was the illustration. Joe and John are married. So Joe invites John and his wife over to the house for a little cookout. So when John and his wife get there, Joe's out back and he's got the grill going and John walks out and says, Joe, what are you doing? He said, I'm cooking steaks. And so John says, where did you get them? Joe said, I've got them down at Pete's Meat Market. Okay. Mary and Susie are in the house. Susie walks in and says, what are we having for dinner? Mary says, we're having steaks. Susie says, where did you get them? Mary says, Pete's Meat Market. <laughs> Why, did you hear something? <laughs> See, it relates. <laughs> Why did you ask that question? Joe and John just say, steak came from down there. <laughs> There's no connection. <laughs> so ladies, to your credit, John is showing us how light and love and life all tie together. They're related. In 1 John chapter 2 and verses 9 and 10, he who says he is in the light and hates his brother is in darkness until now. He who loves his brother abides in the light and there is no cause for stumbling in him. You see what John says? This is the way in which these things relate to one another. Back up to verse 3. 1 John chapter 2 and verse 3. He himself is the propitiation for our sin. Uh, uh, verse 3. I was reading verse 2. Now, by this we know that we know him if we keep his commandments. Verse 5. But whoever keeps his word, truly the love of God is perfected in him. By this we know that we are in him. Verse 9. He who is in the light and hates his brother is in darkness until now. John says, if he says he's in the light, but he hates his brother, he's in darkness. Verse 10. He who loves his brother abides in the light, and there is no cause for stumbling in him. The one who loves his brother abides in the light. Now keep in mind, as we've studied this letter, 
John is either writing to Ephesus or he's in the area of Ephesus and he's writing to a congregation in that area and nonetheless these are going to get circulated. But he's obvious, it's obvious that he's writing to a congregation where there's some serious relational issues. Now we know from studying 1 John that those relational issues are based upon what is being taught about Jesus Christ and the person of Jesus Christ and the doctrine of Jesus Christ. And that created, because some were teaching other things, division. And that led to serious disputes, fighting, faction, third John, power struggle. kind of hard to imagine, isn't it? The night in which Jesus is betrayed, he is starting a following. Is he not? (laughs) Those who will follow after Jesus Christ. And he said, this is how the world will recognize you. By the love that you have for one another. But John, in this letter, uses some strong language. He uses words like love, but he also uses words like hate. And we think about that, that's almost kind of shocking. It's like, you hate your brother? And yet, that's what John's talking about. And so, when you think about this letter and you think about today... And then you kind of ask yourself, are there still issues going on today? And as you look out in general, which we sometimes talk about, and we talk about what's taught within the religious world and so forth, we know there are struggles over salvation. What what does it take to have salvation? And sometimes that can become very contentious. Sometimes we talk about worship. And how we should worship God. And sometimes that becomes very contentious. Sometimes we talk about organization of the church. And that can become very contentious. Sometimes we talk about traditions. And that becomes very contentious. And yet Jesus says, If the world sees you love one another the love that you have for one another, then they will know that you are my disciples. Now, we got to make it personal, right? But let me qualify this because I don't want our visitors to go away thinking, what's going on? (laughs) I don't want somebody to listen to this lesson and go, well, what's going on there? (laughs) But we do have to take this letter and we have to make personal application. That's the ideal. We've talked about that in class four. It's not written to us, but it's written for us, right? And so we stop and we pause and we ask this question as we think about love. How's it going at Platte City? Right? (laughs) That's why we study it, right? How's it going at Platte City? Now, I got to throw this in there. 
I want to I say this first, then I'll add. So if someone would ask you, how's it going to Platte City? You might say, well, is God being glorified? Okay. Is Jesus being held up? He is Lord of all. Okay. Is love growing among brethren? Okay. I think those are all good and valid questions and the kind of questions that we ought to be asking. Right? So, a little while back, we had someone come to visit, right? It took me a little while, but I finally remembered the person from someplace else. And I, I remember you. Well, how are you doing? And, you know, those kind of things. And so I was expecting him to ask about Platte City. And you know what he said? How come you guys don't meet on Sunday night? <laughs> out of all the questions that he could have asked how are you doing how are you doing spiritually how's the congregation doing is the Lord being glorified a lot of questions number one why don't you guys meet on Sunday night why is your tradition <laughs> different than my tradition you see what I'm saying a congregation decides to meet on Sunday night, I have no problem with that. If at some point in time in the future we decide to meet on Sunday night, I have no problem with that. I just don't think that's the first question. John didn't ask that for a first question. Hey, how many times are you guys meeting? So, a question might be, is there love? Is there caring? Is there support for one another? In good times, in hard times, in challenging times and difficult times. The question we might want to ask is this. How deep is your love in that congregation? I think the coronavirus exposed a lot of congregations this past year. I'm not going there. I'm just making that statement. Are there close connections? Are there real concerns? Are there praying for one another? Are there hugs and tears and honest conversations? Is it the kind of love that will cause the world to sit up and take notice. Isn't that what Jesus said in John 13? By this, the world will know that you are my disciples. If you have love for one another. Does your love cause the world to take notice? Second point, what is love that John is writing about? 1 John 3 and verse 16. John says, by this, we know, by this we know love. 
because he laid down his life for us, and we also ought to lay down our lives for the brethren. See, John mentions love back in chapter 2. And like I said before, now he comes back to it. And now he's going to define it, start to explain it so that you understand, so that there's no mistake about it. This is love. You know, every generation writes about, talks about, sings about (laughs) love, don't they? It's a popular topic. Well, in the 1980s, some of you are old enough to remember the 80s, some of you aren't. But there were a whole lot of songs about love that came out in the 1980s. Let me run just a few by you so you can maybe recall. Diana Ross and Lionel Richie sang about endless love. Tina Turner said, what's love got to do with it? Huey Lewis and the News sang about the power of love. But one of the most popular songs at that time by a group by the name of Foreigner, which I find ironic, (laughs) had a song that was one of the most popular entitled, I Want to Know What Love Is. That's where I got the title. (laughs) I Want to Know What Love Is. John writes, about love so that we will know what love is. One of the things that made that song so popular, and this is what happens with any song that becomes really popular, it has that line that gets stuck in your head. And you find yourself just singing it over and over and over again. The chorus of that song went like this, and it's almost in a pleading type of voice that he sings these words he says I want to know what love is I want you to show me I want to feel what love is I know you can show me I want to know what love is people want to know what love is they want to know it They want somebody to show it. They want to experience it. So the second time that John visits the subject, he defines it. And so in 1 John 3 and verse 16, he says, By this we know love, because he has laid down his life for us, and we also ought to lay down our lives for the brethren. So John defines it so that we know it. And so if you ask John, how do we know? What is love? He points to Jesus said that he laid down his life for us. And so these are the kind of passages that we oftentimes point to and we say, love is more than words. Because we can point to this and we say, no, If you want to know what love is, this is it. This is action. This is what Jesus did. Love is something 
that is done. Love is something that you do. In 1 John 4, verse 7 and 8, just so that we don't mention or miss it. John says, Beloved, let us love one another, for love is of God. And everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. He who does not love does not know God, for God is love. So based upon what John says, John says love is something that you do. Love is giving. And so the fundamental thing is is that it's going to be something that you do and it's something that you're going to have to give and that it's personal and it's precious and it's something of yourself. Because John says God gave God gave His Son. It's the giving of yourself. But it's the cost. Jesus laid down His life. And that was for the good of someone else. And so oftentimes when we talk about love, we say, well, it's sacrificial. It's something that you do. And it's for the benefit. Love is directed towards an object. In verse 10, John adds to it. In this is love. Not that we loved God, but that He loved us and sent His Son to be the propitiation for our sins. So John's adding the remarkable thing about this love is this is what God does. That God, God's love is something He does. He gives sacrifices to meet a need. Our need. It serves a purpose. And he says, it's not because we loved him, but because he loved us. And that's what Lauren quoted from this morning from Romans the fifth chapter and verse eight. God demonstrates his love towards us that while we were yet in our sins, he sent his son to die for us. Something you do. Something sacrificial. You give of yourself for someone else to meet a need to serve a purpose. So what's John's point? What John's pointing out is as he writes to these brethren and you think about what is going on. What John is saying is love is the giving of yourself for the good of others even when you disagree. Now, another illustration. A personal illustration. To say that I had differences, to say that I had differences with God before I became a Christian would be a gross understatement. 
I had a lot of differences with God before I became a Christian. I didn't keep God from giving His Son to me. Something He did. Personal. Sacrificial. Of Himself. To meet a need, mine, to serve a purpose. So what's John's point? Once again. You know what the point is? We don't get to choose who we love. That's the point. So God's saying, I didn't love you because you were lovely. <laughs> You were very unlovely. God's saying, I loved you because of who I am. 1 John 4 and verse 8, God is love. Can we see that? So that's what John's wanting them to see. We don't get to just love people who agree with us. Sometimes love calls to love people who don't agree with us. In fact, they may actively be working against you. Isn't that what we looked at in 3 John this morning? Diotrephes not only opposes us, he says bad things about us. <laughs> so John's point, Jesus' point, God's point. When we love people who are like us or who people who love us, that's just ordinary. God's love is extraordinary. And Jesus says, if you have love for one another, the kind of love that he had for them, he said, that's what will make the world take notice. So what does it look like? John talks about light. He talks about Love. He talks about truth. And he shows how that's important, that's, that's interrelated, how it's connected together. To walk in light, to love, that's the life that was manifested, that's the fellowship that we are being called to. But here's the question. Why is it so essential that we understand what this love is. 1 John 4, verse 7, Beloved, let us love one another, for love is of God. And everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. He who does not love does not know God, for God is love. God is love. 
That's who he is. That's his essence. That's his nature. Everything else is connected to that fact. God's wisdom, God's justice, God's mercy, God's goodness is ultimately an expression of his love. Because John says, God is love. And if we have been born of God, then we should love. We should be like Him. And when we love, what John is saying is, we make God known to each other and to the world. I'm going to call your attention. You don't need to turn around right now. There's a little plaque that hangs back there right above our bulletin board. This is what it says. Live in such a way that those who know you but don't know God will come to know God because they know you. That's what John's saying. This week as I was reading, preparing for this lesson, I found this somewhat humorous as I read what this one fellow had to say. He said, you know, a lot of times we try to doctrinally argue people into the kingdom of God. Ever been there, done that? <laughs> I'll argue you right into the kingdom. <laughs> But he went on to say this. And I thought, this is a great point. Is it important to walk in the light? Absolutely. John shows that. But this writer went on to say this. He said a lot of people aren't asking if Christianity is true. What they want to know and what they're asking, is it good? You want me to come and be a part? John invites to fellowship. That's what we want to do. And then we just try to argue them into it. And what John is saying is walking in light is important. It's essential. But love? God is love. And people need to know that. And the way that they come to see that, what John is saying, <laughs> it's through you. And see what John is saying is, that may be deeper than the way you thought about it before. So John's calling to show love. John is calling to show God to one another. Even to those with whom we may disagree. Because that's what God did. That's what Jesus did. That's what love is. And that's why it's important. 
that we understand. John will give this other illustration, then I'll just move on quickly. First John 3 and verse 17 and 18, it says, But whoever has this world's goods and sees his brother in need and shuts up his heart from him, how does the love of God abide in him? My little children, let us not love in word or in tongue, but in deed and in truth. And as we talked about this morning, as you tie 1 John, 2 John, and 3 John together, you can see what John is saying. There may be some that come into your area that need hospitality, and they may need support. And if you have that, and then you shut up your goods, your possessions to them, how does the love of God abide in you? But it's also important to understand light, the truth, so that you don't support the wrong ones. And sometimes that's tough love. So I need you to understand the light. I need you to understand love. I need you to understand how it applies. And if you understand that, guess what? People will see God. Because you understand. And you'll, you'll show them. That same writer that I was quoting from a minute ago. He went on to say that sometimes we kind of forget that even little things are important. And we think, oh, I may do a little thing. And when I do that little thing, that may not change that person. And what he said was, he goes, I think you got the wrong focus. He goes, because as you start to do those little things, you know who changes? You do. And when you change, the world sees God. And that's what changes the world. That's a little deep. And that's what John wants us to understand. So John writes and he wants us to understand that love is not just words, but it's action. But understanding love motivates us to give of ourself, give of our possessions, actively doing good for someone else, serving a need, meeting, serving a purpose. And love is showing the world who God is because God is love. I want to add this last passage. 1 John chapter 4 and verse 12. No one has seen God at any time. If we love one another, God abides in us and His love has been perfected in us. You know what John just said? Nobody has seen God at any time. John states that. Other passages say the same thing. No one has ever seen God. But what's, what's John saying? <laughs> if we love one another, God abides in us. And His love has been perfected in us. Now you see what John's saying? Nobody has seen God at any time. But if His love abides in us, 
Guess what they see? They see the love of God. And if they see the love of God, guess who they see? They see God. And he said, this is the way God's love is perfected, completed in us. They may not see God, but if his love abides in you, then they see you, and then they will see God. Someone else said that when you finally come to realize, when you finally know you've been loved like this, then you're free to love like this. That's what John wants us to see. God loves us. We love others. The world sees God. Love sets us free. And then we are free to love. That's what John wants us to understand. I want to extend the invitation this morning to any and all that are here. You've never rendered obedience unto the gospel of Jesus Christ. We would encourage you to do that this very day. If you need to come to an understanding about Jesus Christ and about faith in Him and obedience to Him, we'd be glad to talk with you, teach you. That's what we're here for. If you're a child of God and you need to make your life right with Him this morning, you let us know while together we stand and while we sing.